Turn with me to Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bible. Uh, Last week, if you were here, we did a a one-week message called We Need to Talk About Predestination, and the idea was um, understanding predestination and how that kind of works along, we're in theology world, and how predestination works along with free will. We talked about in the Bible, we did a brief Bible study, and we saw that God doesn't predestine individuals, but he predestines tribes. And you're able to, uh, by your free will, choose to become a part of God's tribe, which is called the church. And once you do that, the things that are predestined for the church become predestined for you as an individual. So predestination is, wait for it, true. And free will is also, wait for it, also true. Um, But you're free to choose, um, but God predestines tribes. And um, so the idea of free will, I'll I'll actually say it like this, free will for the Christian, it requires uh, a little bit of courage to believe in. Uh, Because if you believe, if you believe that God controls everything in the world, right, well then, um, good and bad, well then life's pretty simple for you in a way because because um, there is no bad, really. You know, it's all good. Everything that happens is ultimately God's plan, and it's good. But if you um, believe that there's good and bad, that's a little bit uh, harder. I don't know if you guys have ever heard the phrase, uh, I sleep like a Calvinist. It's the idea of that, that if you believe that God controls everything, you sleep good, because you ain't got to worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, if something bad happens, well, you know, he had a plan, and then you can just go to sleep, not worry about it. But if you want to believe that um, God has given you the ability to choose and also your neighbor the ability to choose, well, then you all of a sudden are caught smack dab in the middle of a problem, and that's this. How do you deal with the bad in the world? Um, Again, someone who would say that God is in control of everything doesn't have to deal with that at all because there is no bad. But for, for us who believe that we have the power to choose, the question is this, how do you explain and how do you handle all of the bad things that appear to be happening in the world? So my title is Hope in the Dark. If you're taking notes, jot that down. I thought about calling this message the, es- the realized eschatology of the New Testament, but I thought Hope in the Dark is probably like a little more catchy. But for you theologians, that's what we're talking about, the realized eschatology of the New Testament. Uh, Psalm chapter 1, if you have your Bible, verse 29. Oh, did I say Psalm? Luke. Luke chapter 1, excuse me. Luke's a very long chapter, um, 80 verses. I don't know if it's the longest uh, chapter in the New Testament. It's close. Does anyone know the longest chapter in the entire Bible? Psalm 139, that's right. Uh, that it has uh, 176 verses, I think, something like that. Anyway, so if you want to go home and read a quick chapter, go there. Um, okay, Luke chapter 1, verse 29. Uh, the backstory here is you might be feeling like this is a Christmas verse. Uh, the angel Gabriel has just appeared to Mary, and, and he essentially says, he says, the Lord is with you, and she panics, she freaks out. Uh, verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And then listen to this. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay, so basically an angel appears to Mother Mary and says this, that you are going to have a son uh, whose name is Jesus, and this Jesus guy is going to take upon the throne of David. 
King David was like the classic Israel uh, king, right? He's this huge military and political force. Essentially, what it's saying is this, is that Jesus is coming and he's going to rule over all things. Now, here, here's the problem for me is I wonder if you, if you hear that phrase, like Jesus is going to come and rule over all things. And then sometimes you would look at the world and you would think that in a lot of ways, maybe that hasn't really happened yet. You know what I mean? Like um, the world is still pretty messed up in a lot of ways. And so it's kind of weird to think like how, in what way is Christ ruling over all things today, right? You think about school shootings, right? Parkland, Florida. I, I recently read that there's, um, 23, there's been 23 school shootings in 21 weeks. And that's not like some gun shot off. That's when someone other than the shooter got shot. 23 times, right? In 21 21 uh, days, and so we'll sing songs over Christ has the victory over death, right? But if you're like me and you think that God does not want school shootings to happen, right, but you think, well, the shooter probably did want the shooting to happen, well, then it would appear in a lot of ways that maybe like Christ did not actually have the victory in that particular circumstance, but the shooter did. And so you could ask this question, this is maybe my, my question for the night is this, do school shootings happen in a world where Jesus rules over all things? It's a pretty good question. Um, another example is this, you think about, uh, we would say something like, like God has given us the victory over sickness. Ever heard a phrase like that? Right? But then it would certainly appear like our loved ones still get sick and die all the time, right? So like, what do we mean when we say that? And so if you're Mother Mary here, you're thinking, okay, so I'm gonna have this kid who's gonna grow up and he is going to rule over all things of the world. And here we are 2,000 years later and it seems like in a lot of different ways, like that has not happened. It does not look like God, like Jesus is reigning over all things. And it makes it even harder when you read the Bible and it seems like there's a lot of places in the Bible where it, it's essentially saying that this thing where Christ is going to be ruling over all things has already happened, right? It says that, that he is reigning right now. He is currently reigning, that, he, that he's already conquered sin and death and the grave, that this stuff has already happened. And then look at some of these scriptures, Ephesians chapter one and verse 20. Uh, Paul would say this, God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and placed all things under his feet, right? And appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So the question might be this, if, if God is filling everything in every way and Christ is reigning already, then why does the world seem so messed up? Right, like, like we suffer, right? And we, we experience pain and we experience loss. Um, we're, we're a victim of the world or maybe a victim of someone else. And then we, we read verses that say things like this, God is reigning on high, right? And Satan has been defeated and we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And a lot of people read those and just think, you can't be serious. There's just, there's just no way. And so what happens, and this is a tragic thing that happens a lot in Christian people's lives, is we end up, we end up separating our faith life and our real life right? Because they don't look the same, right? And so even when you're talking about something like being sick, you're having to even decide before you make some sort of statement whether or not like this is like the Christian you who says Christiany things or whether or not you're talking about real life. 
I the only one who's ever experienced that? It's like, oh yeah, we're more than conquerors. But seriously though, he's gonna die. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's these two parts of you that are always, and, and so, so there's this part of you that's like Christian, Christian language guy, and then there's like the real life guy. Um, and, and, that, and that's hard, because again, we'll go and we'll read like, God has conquered sin and death in the grave, but like sin and death in the grave, time and time and time again, just keep like beating the crap out of us. Um, and so a lot of people just maybe don't want to think about it. And this is actually one of the reasons um, that people end up losing their faith, right? Because what they can't reconcile is, is a world where bad, horrific things happen and a God who is both all-powerful and all-loving, right? Because they say, okay, here's, here's bad stuff that happens. Here's cancer, um, cancer in babies' eyes, right? They're like parasites that would, that would cause babies to be blind, for example. And then they'll say, okay, so you say that you have a God that's all-loving and is all-powerful, right? Well, either he's not all-powerful and so he can't fix it, or he's not all-loving and he can, right? And, and, and so people, people can't, can't handle that, and so they end up exiting the Christian faith because they can't reconcile a loving God who's all-powerful and a world where horrible things happen. Uh, in fact, I was listening to a conversation recently. It was between a Christian author and a Jewish rabbi. If you, if you don't know, the main contention there would probably be what? Jesus, right? <laughs> Whether or not Jesus is the Messiah. And so they were talking about Jesus, and, and the Jewish rabbi essentially says, like, everything is great. Like, I hear what you're saying about Jesus and his message and kindness and love and sacrifice. That's all really great. This is the Jewish rabbi. He says, the deal breaker for me, though, would be that I believe that when the Messiah comes, he's going to save the world, right? And so, so and, I, and for me, I don't see the world being saved. Um, and so he asks, you know, it's like, think about, think about this, like there's still innocent people being killed in wars and there's still kids that are starving to death. And so this Jewish rabbi essentially said, I, I just don't see how Jesus made the world that much better, right? Which is a, a, pretty, a pretty interesting challenge. Um, here's the good news. There's an answer um, to all of that. So uh, we need to get into it because I've got a bunch of stuff to say. I believe that Jesus is the savior of the world already. I, I really do. And I don't mean that in like some cliche way. I actually mean that. I actually think that. I actually think that right now, 2018, Jesus is the savior of the world. On the other hand, I'm determined to live a life where I, um, I'm honest, right? And, I, and, I, I'm, I, and I'm real. And, and so I'm the first to admit that I think in a lot of ways, the world does not look like it either was saved or is being saved. And so the answer is all found in the realized eschatology of the New Testament, aka, you could say it like this, already but not yet theology. I was expecting a better uh, response <laughs> for my killer slide. God. Thank you. Okay, so here's the, here's the idea of already but not yet theology. So we live in this super unique period of time, right? This is, what, this is what Christians would say, theologians would say, is that if you look at all of these different sections of time that the world has made up, and we live in this really short time, which is like um, between when Jesus died on the cross, right? And when he comes a second time. That's when we would kind of like place ourselves in, in history. Um, and so that time, like we have to deal with a reality right then in this short little blink of an eye 
that other people don't have to uh, worry about. So you could say it like this. uh, There's a difference between something being true and that truth being reflected in our reality. So um, here's what I mean by that. This is the best illustration that that I've got uh, for this. Carlin, are you ready? Okay, Carlin, kill the lights. God, that worked good, huh? Okay, Carlin, turn on the lights. Okay, good. So that was it. So um, <laughs> that's the whole illustration. So I wonder if, if you guys would agree with me on a few things. Number one is this. There was a time when there was light in the room and then the lights went away. And then when she clicked that button, like suddenly the, the room was filled with light. Would you guys agree with that? Um, and for us as human beings, it seemed like that happened pretty much instantaneously. Right, like she pushed my, But what if I told you that there was actually like a few nanoseconds there where the light was slowly filling the room? And it goes very fast, 186,000 miles per second, I think. Where's Brad? Something like that. It's very fast, 186. It's, I'm not that impressed, but it's pretty fast. Uh, but there was a time, like if you, could, if you could pause milliseconds, where there was a light that, that was starting to shine from the light bulb, and, but it was just a little bit of light. And then, there was, and then the light travels a little bit farther, and then the light travels a little bit farther, and then the light travels a little bit farther. And then ultimately, eventually, there's a time when light has filled the entire room. And again, for us, it feels like it feels like it's instantaneous, but it's actually not, right? If you would be able to see and perceive time in milliseconds, you could see that there was a time when the, the room was partially filled with light, right? Where it wasn't all the way filled, but it was filled a little bit, and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more. There was a time when the lights were quote unquote on, but the room wasn't full of light. Um, okay, so, and, and you might be thinking, yeah, but it felt instantaneous to me. Well, if you were a muon, a muon is a cool word. Uh, a muon is a, is a, it's this weird subatomic uh, part, particle. Some, some, some of you people are probably dying right now, and some of you like it. So if you were this tiny little subatomic particle that's called a, a muon, muons are generated when the UV light from the sun hits our atmosphere. And, and muons, their entire lifespan is approximately one millisecond. That's how long they live. One millisecond, and they're dead. And so, so if, you were, if you were a muon and you were in this room and we did the experiment with the light, well, then you would be waiting your entire lifetime for these lights to slowly fill the room, right? You would see that the light's partially filled, maybe a little bit more filled, a little bit more filled, a little bit more filled. And then finally, after your entire lifetime, you have seen that the room is now filled with light. Again, for humans, it seems like the light just came on instantaneously, but that's not true. It, it took a few milliseconds for it to fill the room. And so um, the idea is this, that God experiences time differently. I'm sure you've heard that. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 8 is a, a beautiful scripture. It says this, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. That's poetry. That's not a great, I wouldn't like use that to, you know, make charts and graphs and like end times, uh, you know, maps or anything, but this is poetry, right? The point is this, is that, that God experiences time differently than us. His timeline is much longer than ours, right? His story arc is huge versus your story arc that's maybe, you know, what, a hundred years if you're lucky. Uh, his story arc is 
huge. And so he experiences time differently. And so here's how the concept applies is this, is that the principle is this, is that as soon as Jesus died, right, there was this victory that happened. The devil was defeated. Sickness was defeated. Death was defeated. Fear was defeated. Depression, bigotry, racism, right, was defeated. But there is but we're in this season, this really unique time in the world where that light is slowly shining across the world, right? And so, so in principle, the light has been turned on, but we don't see it yet because the light hasn't completely spread yet. Um, we live in a time where God has defeated the devil, but that reality hasn't spread to the whole world yet, but it will soon. And so... Um, Again, for example, in principle, Christ is currently ruling over all things, right? But, but we don't see that. It, we don't see that as being perfectly manifested in the world yet, but we will. Um, in principle, the devil has been defeated, but we don't see that as a fact yet, right? Like from the Muon perspective, it, it's still um, it, like he's still doing all kinds of horrible, crazy things. And it feels like it's been a long time, but again, in Christ's um, timeline, it's, it's, just, it's just a moment, right? In principle, all opposition has been defeated. In principle, sin and death and the grave have been uh, defeated. And so we, we work to live in this place where there's a piece of us where we recognize that there's this already piece of the Christian life, which is this, like Christ has defeated death, right? Christ has defeated sickness. We live in this place. He has already done it. But then we also live in this place of not yet. There's stuff that are, that's still waiting to happen, right? Like last time we checked, I mean, Christ defeated death, but I'm pretty sure you're all going to die, right? And so, so he hasn't, so he has already defeated death, but you're still going to probably die. Um, and so there's an already part of the Christian faith and there's a not yet part of the Christian faith. And so we work, if you wanna be a well-rounded Christian that you live in both of these worlds of the already, what Christ has already done, and then the not yet that you're still waiting to see manifested in the world. And if you can't find that balance, then everything just starts getting weird, right? And, and, and maybe you become a weird Christian. Uh, has anyone ever met a weird Christian? If you say no, then you might be weird you're the one I'm worried about. So, so, um, for, okay. So if you, if you overemphasize the already, right, Christ has already defeated, you know, like, like Christ is reigning victorious, which is of course true, but that's already happened. And that's, that's the ultimate, that's the only reality that you need to know is that Christ has overcome the world. Um, and you end up minimizing the not yet-ness of where we live. Um, what you end up with is an unrealistic theology. You, you become idealistic, right? And you, and you end up separating your faith from your real life because all of your language makes no space for people who are still sick, right? All, your language makes no space for people who prayed the prayer and are still depressed, right? And so you become idealistic and you have no choice but to separate. And so you talk, but then you secretly talk because you know that they're separate. So you become an idealistic Christian. These types of people struggle with understanding the world, right? Because there's wicked stuff that's just screwing up everything um, in the world, screwing up nature, hurting our loved ones, hurting us. And then all they know to do is say like, no, 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 that can't be um, because my Bible says, bah, 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 and blah, right? And, and, and for example, right, like the Bible says that we are healed, which is true. 
we have been healed, right? Past tense. And so that's true. But, but so these people, that if that's their only reality, that's their only way of seeing the world, they end up, they, they never have a cold even when they obviously do, right? They're like, no, I'm, I'm healed. It's like, cool, still don't touch me, but I'm fine with that. Because <laughs> I know, I know they have a cold. And so, um, and so maybe that's fine and that's cute when you have a cold, but it actually becomes not a great way of seeing the world um, when you maybe struggle with something that's really real because instead of fighting, what you do is you just deny, right? And, and instead of battling, right? Instead of like using your faith, instead of understanding that you're in this warfare that is the world that we find ourselves in, you just, you just deny that there's even, um, even a problem. Picture, picture someone who says like, well, because of Jesus, I'm healed, so I have perfect healing, perfect eyesight. So they throw, they throw their glasses away, and hop in a car and like almost kill somebody, which is a true story. <laughs> but you know, it's like someone who just says like, I am healed, and so what do I need with these things? Throw them out, get behind the wheel. That's not a great, they're, they're, they don't understand that, there's, that there is an already, I have already been healed, but then there's also this place of not yet, not yetness of the way that we um, see. On the other hand, if you overemphasize the not yet, right, if you, just, if you overemphasize and don't understand that like, because of Christ, we're new creations, right? And we have been healed. And you minimize all of that stuff, then instead of being idealistic on one side, on the other hand, you become fatalistic, which is, which is this. It's just, the, all you can do is just hang on. This world is just a big old hellhole, right? And all you can do is just try to make it one more day. Soon enough, God will beam us up, and then we don't have to worry about any of this stuff anymore, right? Like, that you become fatalistic about the world, Right, because people can't, people can't understand um, just this tension of being in both places, the already and the not yet. So I have two, uh, two quick concepts for you. If you want to find the balance, these are, these are pieces of advice, encouragements for you as people who want to like live in this balance of we're in the already, but we're also in the not yet. Number one is this, we fight for the already in the middle of the not yet. We fight for the already in the middle of the not yet. As Christ followers, what our job is, is this, is that we, is that we show the world what's coming, right? So you could say it like this. In a way, Christians to the world are, we're people from the future, right? Because, because the world is heading in a certain direction, and we try right now to live our life as if we're there, but we live here. So we're showing the world what's coming by the way that we forgive, right, by the way that we're generous, um, because there will be a time when, when all creation follows Christ, right? Not right now, though, and so, but for now, we follow Christ, right? And so in that way, we're people from the future. Uh, there will be a time when all creation bows at the feet of Jesus. Not right now, though, so, but, but we do, but we bow. And so, um, in that way, we're people from the future. There will be a time when racism and hatred and jealousy uh, will be completely eliminated from the world. And because we know that, we just vow to live that now, right? So we see what the coming kingdom will look like, and we just say, that's how we're going to live our life um, today. You think about like that Gandhi quote, right? Be the change you want to see in the world. For the Christian, it's like this. It's, it's be the change that you know is coming, Right, because a change is coming, and so it's your job to just live like that. Now, we see what's coming in God's coming kingdom, and we vow to live that now. The world is not yet, but we're already anyway. Is that a weird sentence? 
The world is not yet, but we are already anyway. Yeah, by how we live, by how we think. And here's what's amazing, that when you do that, when you become a person of the future, when you see what God's kingdom looks like and vow to live it right now, even though the world is still, even though the light is still spreading, what's amazing is this, is when we live as members of God's kingdom now, that's one of the ways that his kingdom comes. Right, like when we see what God's kingdom is going to be like, right? No racism, no bitterness, no jealousy, and we live that now, then, then we are one of the people who would bring God's kingdom, right? You think about the prayer, right? Your kingdom come. That's, that's the idea is that we're praying that like God's kingdom would manifest on the world and we also vow to be people who would um, live like that now. So we're fighting for the already, even though we understand that we live in the not yet. We help grow the kingdom of God and help shrink the kingdom of the world. And by being a light, we help make the world full of light. And then like, that's the idea of being a co-laborer with Christ that we bring his kingdom. And so we're not here to judge. We're not here to condemn, right? All we're here to do is we're, we're just here to be the change that we know is coming. So if you can envision yourself, I've started doing this, but, but thinking of myself as someone who has a way of living that soon, soon everyone's going to live like David. Right now they're not, but that's fine. My job is just to live like Christ now and I understand that that's the way, because the light is continuing to spread, because Christ has defeated sin and death and the grave. So we know that that's what's happening. Has the light spread completely? No. And that's, by the way, that's why you see little things where, where it's like, oh my God, that was incredible. Look at the kingdom of God. I mean, look at this amazing miracle, right? It's this amazing thing. Yeah, it makes total sense, right? Because light has spread, Light, light has continued to spread in the world. But it also makes sense when you see things that are like incredibly broken and horrible and horrific, and you can say, yeah, that's, that's true, because the light has spread, but it hasn't spread all the way. You know, the, um, the Bible talks about the disciples, like Jesus' first disciples as uh, first fruits, which is a weird phrase, but just think of them, it's essentially saying this, they're the first of something, they, like they were, the, they were the first of something. And so soon there will be a lot of fruits, right? But, but right now there's just, like, there's just like a little. There's only a few fruits. And so this is just the beginning and that's you, right? That you're a first fruit of God's new kingdom. And so in a way there's like little tiny little, you know, berries, you know, coming off of the tree of what God's kingdom will look like and that's you, but you're, you're a first Fruit, And so we, we see what God's kingdom looks like and we fight for that now. Uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse 22 says this, Paul would say, uh, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds, listen, and to put on the new self, the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Well, what might that look like? Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. See, there won't be bitterness in God's new kingdom. So the, the job of the Christian is to get rid of that now. Right? There's not going to be unforgiveness in God's new kingdom, so we work to get rid of that now. There won't be brawling and slander in God's new kingdom, so what we do is we work to get rid of that now. We're the already in the midst of the not yet. Uh, and this explains, um, this explains praying for healing. Right, uh, so you think about this, like if well, of course, if you believe that God is behind sickness, and it, 
and you, you pray for healing like the apostles did, by the way, then uh, you, what you're doing is rebelling against God. So we're not talking about that frame of, of mind. But if you're like me, and I think if you're like a lot of us, then we believe that God would be violently against something like cancer, right? Something like dementia, something like, um, I don't know, ALS, right? That, that, those things are, that those things are against the way that the world is going, right? We believe in God's coming kingdom, there is not gonna be any sickness. And so, and so we come against that now, right? Does it, does it always work perfectly? No, no, because we're living in this place of the already and the not yet, right? And so, so that's why I said, Pastor Brad says this all the time, but he says, he says um, prayer is not magic, prayer is warfare, right? It's not like, it's not like this, it's, it's a way in which we fight, right? Be- because we're living in this world where both things are happening, right? Because there's, there's beautiful glimpses of the light coming and we celebrate that. But then, then we also know that there's still places in the world where the light has not penetrated yet. And so prayer is one of the ways that we fight for the light, right? We, we fight for God's coming kingdom. And one of the ways that we do that is prayer. Okay. So that was, uh, what was the point? There's something about fight for the, fight for the in the one and the other. Okay, fight for the already in the middle of the not yet. Number two is this, um, to live balanced. Anticipate and find hope in the already in the middle of the not yet. Anticipate and find hope in the already in the middle of the not yet. Can you understand what I'm saying? I'm hoping this language isn't weird, but uh, finding, finding hope in God's coming kingdom, even though you understand that it's not lived out perfectly right now. Last time I checked, the world is still full of suffering and war and starvation and torture and abuse, right? And sometimes it feels like it's hard to stay optimistic in a world that is so messed up. And one of the ways that you do that is this, by tasting. I, I love that word, taste. Um, the psalmist would say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Why taste? Like, what would taste have to do with anything? I think there's just this, there's this sensory thing that's just so real when you talk about tasting something, right? Like, you think about, think about your childhood, right? I, I can still think of like there was this, there was my favorite gum, right? That I can, I can still picture like what this gum tasted like as a kid. There's just something that's so deep in us that's tasting, right? And so um, taste and see that the Lord is good. But, but here's the idea is that, is that you can, you taste the already in the middle of the not yet, right? That you can taste and you can, you can see with your mind's eye, right? You can lock it in and understand um, just knowing that the world is temporary, teaches you also that, that pain and death and the grave, right, are also temporary. And that there's a time when it's like, uh, this, is what, this is the way I, I, I think it's going to work. I think there's going to be a time, pain by definition is temporary, right? Like it's, it's something that's out of, out of ordinary. And so there's going to be a time that for us, like we're not experiencing pain. There's no more pain, right? Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eye. So there's a time when there's not going to be any more pain, but, and we're going to have to like consciously think back. Like remember that thing called pain? God, that was horrible, <laughs> right? But, but if you can envision with your, with your heart, like, and, and with your mind's eye that there's going to be this time where there isn't any more pain, right? Where you're anticipating and finding hope in the already. I, a, a while back I was uh, preaching and there was a lady who came up to me and she was crying. She just wanted prayer. And essentially what had happened is this. She had recently found out that her husband was cheating on her. And she has two kids with this, with this man. And um, she just found out that the man was leaving her and the two kids. And she hadn't told her two kids yet. 
right? And so, so she was just trying to navigate that and kind of see, I don't know, ha- how you even start processing that. And, and at first, I just thought, gosh, this is just so dark, right? If you think about like the light shining, right? That, that there's this part like, wow, that is a, that's a dark part. That's a dark spot. But then as we were praying, I felt like her and I, we both got this, this sense of like light gradually coming, right? And, and that there's, there's um, places where currently there's darkness and every day that passes more and more and more of God's kingdom and lightness and healing is coming in. And so then there's places where maybe one year ago there was darkness and now there's light, because, because the world is continuing to fill um, with the light of Christ. And so we just ended up praying, and, and it was weird. We, we actually laughed afterwards. We just said, it's crazy that, that after all this, I just feel like this unbelievable hope. And, and you can find that no matter what season you find yourself in, right? Even if, even if you are the most sad, depressed, your life is the worst train wreck in the entire world, right? Like, even if that's you, if, if you believe in Christ, well, then you know that like this entire life is a nanosecond, right? It's just a, it's like a, it's just a vapor. That's what Paul says, like a vapor. It's just here it's gone and it's nothing. And there's this time where there's going to be no more of that whatsoever. And, and you, can, you can visualize um, and, and, and with your heart, you can, you can like hold that in your mind, um, even when things feel really dark and really hard and really scary and really broken, you can go to this place where you can see and remember that the light of Jesus is spreading right now. Ignore, ignore bad theology that makes you think that the only thing that's happening in the world is things are getting worse. I don't have time for it, but that is not a way to see the world and it's not true to the Bible, right? God, the light wins, right? We, I, I've, I've checked the end, right? The light wins. And of course, there's bumps and there's bruises and there's heartbreak and there's, there's sadness and there's loss. But for the Christian, like light is continuing to shine, right? The light will always win against the dark. Um, and again, that's the prayer. Thy kingdom come, right? Thy kingdom come. And so this is, this is our message. This is our goal, our target. And it's also what brings us peace in our heart is that we can see this kingdom that's coming, and we fight for it, and we believe that it's coming, and it gives us peace. And, and, and just keep in mind that it's like it's the, the coming kingdom is so great and beautiful. Paul says in Romans 8, 18, shoot, I don't have it in my notes. I'll put it, I'll read it to you. It's, it's been a long time since I haven't had a scripture on the screen, huh? Romans 8, 18, Paul says this. Okay, um, I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy with comparing um, to the glory that will be revealed in us. He's saying this, like the, the thing that's coming, it's not even worth comparing to like how great things are gonna be. Like, like the present struggle, and this is not a man who had an easy life, right? And he's saying, he's saying that this current world, this current pain, it's not even worth comparing um, to the, to the kindness and goodness and joy and peace um, that's to come uh, for each of us. Okay, so we're gonna prepare for communion. I got through it. So what I want you to do as we uh, receive communion, first thing is I need to slow down. Okay, uh, what I want you to do during communion is this. I would like you to think about God's coming kingdom, right? And... and um, and how we're in this season of time where we're waiting for the light 
um, his light to spread and wash away all of the suffering and all of the pain and all of the disease and all of the cancer and all of the famine and all of the death, right? And, and you as a kingdom person putting, putting back on this great responsibility of we are people who are called to shine the light, right? And that's one thing that's unique about the way that God has chosen to use the world is that as the light shines, though there is, of course, the, the greatest light of all, which is Christ, he's chosen to, to let his light shine through you and me, right? It's not just one light that's slowly encompassing the world. No, there's millions of little lights and his, and his light is shining into the world from within you and from within me. And what a great and brilliant, I think, calling that is. But just finding your place there, if you would, just spend a minute um, thinking about God's coming kingdom, this place where there's no pain, um, and then thinking what a great responsibility it is that you would have a part to play in bringing that about. Uh, so you guys can go ahead and pass. Thank you. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. So come to the table. Allow me to pray for you. Father, tonight, 
I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here in the room. Uh, just as we kind of explore this idea of your kingdom that has come and is coming, um, still in this world that there's so much darkness and pain, that you would, you would begin even now to, to help us and make clear in our hearts um, just how beautiful your love is for each and every one of us. The world is full of pain, but we don't confuse that with you being someone who would want to hurt us, first off. Um, and, then, and then the people who would maybe need, need that, that jolt of hope to, to see and, and to believe and to anticipate um, that there's still story left to live for them and that there's still beauty to come uh, in their journey. That, that you would help us in, in our minds to see, to see with our mind's eye the beauty of your coming kingdom and how, how I don't, just finding us, finding ourselves in this place where we can just go, we're not to like worry about all the stuff anymore. Just, just thinking about uh, the, the reality that there's a time coming where we don't have to do that anymore, where we can just relax and be free from fear and free from concern and free from anxiety. And that even as we would just make that real to ourselves in our heart, how that ends up building us up and giving us strength to, to go on and push forward and fight for your kingdom. We just say thank you for who you are and your beautiful promises that you've given uh, to each and every one of us. Help us to live true to that and help us to be little tiny little lights that would help spread your kingdom into the world. Again, we say thank you for that and we love you. And Jesus, tonight as we come to your table, we remember this is not a, this is not a deserve thing, but this is just a free gift thing. And so we say thank you for making space for us. No matter how far we've been gone, how long we've been gone, uh, there's always a space for us here. And we say thank you. And so Jesus, we remember your death and we proclaim your resurrection and we await your return. Remember your death, proclaim your resurrection, and we await your return. So let's eat the bread and drink from the cup.